Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Okay, as we get into it this evening, the conflict or the co- the topic of discussion is the conflict happening in Sudan. Um, currently, there is a civil war going on. I think there's a ceasefire at the moment, but within this episode, we are going to try to break down the basics of understanding what the essential catalyst for the conflict is and who are the factions fighting. It is quite a complex web of entities, you know, Potentially, too, you know, the Wagner Group may have some influence in there. This could be a backed Russian West type of situation. Um, And this one really could go in the distance, so let's go ahead and get into it. So first and foremost, what we have to understand whenever we look at Sudan, um, just from a geopolitical standpoint, the location of it is very, very crucial to Africa. It's strategically located so Sudan in itself is strategically located above Egypt, Liberia, Chad, touches South Sudan, and Ethiopia, um, and, and Treya. And when we think about it, it's right there on the Red Sea, and it's essentially located within Africa, so it kind of breeds this environment where it's located, where there's ports, it's not landlocked, um, and there's potential access to uh, different raw materials like gold, which we'll kind of get into a little bit more within this uh, podcast. So let's go ahead and break down who are the who are the actual factors that are creating this civil war. So at the heart of this conflict, we have two men who are really who are really fighting for a power struggle. There's currently a vacuum going on with Sudan as a result of a coup that happened in 2021. The one is Abdufella Beltahan. I cannot pronounce his name correctly but he is actually the general for the Sudanese army and after this coup he assumed power over Sudan so there's a lot of analysts and speculation that there's a lot of analysts who actually believe he is wanting to be kind of this military coup power who takes over Sudan and runs it for the rest of his life it looks like he is really a part of this initiative He's been basically running it since 2021, since the coup, and we're seeing kind of that, you know, this is this is creating a situation where, you know, he is really wanting to be the number one in power. He currently is, and he's willing to fight for it. The other individual is Mahala Damdam Dagalo. His name in which he refers to himself is actually Hamedi. He is actually the leader of what is known as the Rapid Support Forces. What's really interesting about this group is it is a militant force that is actually not affiliated at all with the government. It's almost a a military business entity of its own. It was created back in 2020 during the Darfur conflict. Um, They're actually used to fight some of the, I guess, I don't know if you'd say insurgents or individuals who were during that conflict. So in a weird way, Hamedi um, is, like I said, outside of this government wheel he's kind of standing on his own and as a result of standing on his own the group is actually creates a a a lot of money um the this rapid forces also control a lot of the gold within saudi arabia 
So what makes it so interesting is Hamedi was actually the vice president before this conflict. Like I was saying, the two sides teamed up back in 2021 for this coup and kind of had the ability for the military to be controlling Sudan. And what you had is you had the RSR, which is a, the, R, the, R, the RSF, which is the rapid um, force that had been ruling in their own right. And what they've been doing is they helped the actual army take over during the coup. Now, this is at the basis of the conflict. Like I said, this conflict has so many layers. It's like a complex layer cake. And this is just one of many. And breaking it down on this level just shows that there's different contexts for different situations and countries. Whenever we put on our lens to understand them and provide analysis, what we have to understand, I know I'm saying a lot, is there's different frameworks, there's different power struggles, there's different things that have worked outside of a democracy. democracy. You know, we think in the United States, we, we have kind of this, this framework of government, but when we step out of that into other countries, there's different things that work. As an example, this militant force who is really has is a strong part of the government. What's really kind of crazy about this conflict is these are the two sides that are fighting right now in Sudan. And as a result of this fight, it looks like it's going to go the distance. We're looking at it based on the simple fact that you look at both these sides and both these men want to be in power. And as a result of it, there was some undertones that this could be happening. Um, there was a lot of analysis that dictated these two could actually end up having this type of situation. Now, what's really important when we look at Sudan is it is unfortunately is a lot of conflict and a lot of civil war, which is sad because it's a beautiful country. Um, and going back to Darfur, going back to these situations where, where we're having a lot of conflict on top of conflict, which breeds these different groups, these militant forces, because it's always a push for power. So within the framework of that, that's really where the two sides are having the conflict and the fighting from. So with this fight, the majority of it taken in Khartouth within Sudan. Now this will be probably a very, very bloody civil war if obviously there, is a, there was a kind of a ceasefire at the moment. But building up, it's looking like this one could be very, very violent. So whenever we look at the rapid support forces, it's really interesting because it actually came out of the Jangjui um, militia. And like I was saying, these militias were really based on being created as a pro-government militia to kind of to stop what was happening within Darfur. And Humedi, who the one I was just talking about, was actually one of, he was actually a leader in the Jungjui. So he, he was raised out of conflict and out of the really bloody battle that happened in Darfur. And even when we look at Darfur, it's really important to understand in context, it's pretty much the size of it has the population of Spain with around 7 million people. And you also had the Darfur, the, Darfur, the Darfur genocide where it's estimated that I think 80,000 to 400,000 people could have died during this conflict. Needless to say, the conflict that has taken place in Sudan has truly taken its toll. As a result of this in 2013, you look at what happened with the Junjui and they were reformulated and Hermeti in itself was created as a lieutenant colonel so he's been in power and understands this like conflict and i think probably the um undertones of what happens within sudan and then 2019 these two forces met and they kind of come together and um created a kind of military coup with both a pro military um militia group and the actual government 
to get out Hamedi. Now remember, it took both sides to have this coup happen. So if anything, it just shows the power of both individuals, the general and the leader of the, um, the RSF. So back in 2021, what happened is they took on a full coup, full coup and, and team in charge of the country. Now when we get into what is the actual catalyst for this conflict, it is, it's a little bit more complicated than what you think it would be. We're looking at the factors and the principles that took place within the communications of how the RSF was going to potentially be diluted into the military, into the main government army. And we break it down for what the Sudanese were calling it. They were calling security government reform. I'm sorry, security uh, sector reform. And the biggest issue, and this is kind of showing like Sudan at this moment, is they obviously have these two parties come in. And now you have two very powerful groups within this country. You know, and ultimately, if you were a diplomat, your main goal would be to kind of figure out how to water down the army, how to water down the general's power, and then kind of how do you take the RSF and kind of delude them so they don't have so much power that they could create a civil war. So the situation we're looking at is really a representation of trying to create the right political tone in order to dissolve them. So what they wanted to happen was not this. So this is a representation of the outcome of this, this meeting for reform. So when we look at General Abdahan, who is the general of the army, he was actually wanting this process to happen really, really quickly, like so quickly that you know he wanted it to be done within two years. Then within the meeting, you have Hermeti being like, no, this is too much. You know, We need to really have it extended for maybe 10 years. And then as a result of this conversation is really the catalyst for the Civil War. You have soldiers being moved around. You have both sides having distrust and cartoon, and it didn't take that much for it to dissolve. So you had the general saying two years, and you had the Hermeti saying you know 10 years from the RSF, and this is really what created the situation within Sudan. This is the meat of the conflict. And then a day later, I think last Friday, that's when you had the actual conflict starting and the fighting taking place. So one thing about these conflicts in Sudan is when they happen, they are very, very bloody. You know, we're not really thinking of the Geneva Convention for what's happening within these civil wars. Unfortunately, if you go out on the road, roads, the the um, roads of Sudan, there, there there's a lot of speculation that you know you could potentially be shot and killed. This is why you had you know sixteen thousand troops being sent to Djibouti to kind of help with the the um, the evacuation of Americans within Sudan. Um, you potentially have a lot of rumors of sexual um, crimes happening, a lot of rape happening. So it's really, really unfortunate, but it's unraveling very quickly. Now we could say, you know, we're shocked, but whenever we kind of look at the what happened in Sudan and, and what's happened in Darfur and understanding the same principles of warfare and conflict that's used, you know, it's, it seems like it's kind of taking a page out of that book and both sides are fighting one another like tooth and nail. So I don't know to internally is this a power play between the RS, RSF and the army to determine who is actually more powerful. You're having a situation where they're really having it out in the streets of Khartoum. Khartoum. So potentially when we look at this conflict, there's obviously a lot of different states having some type of influence in the United States, you probably have Russia, you probably have China. Whenever we look at the spheres of influence going on in the, in the, in the, in the current 
geopolitical frame that we look at, what we have to understand is Russia is going to act in its best interest. We can say the West, you know, because more than likely those countries are going to be aligned, and then potentially we can say aspects of China, you know, and we look at kind of maybe potentially as a result of having a base in Djibouti, you know, which is relatively close. China has one of their first bases there. United States has one of their first bases there. You know, there's a lot of strategic impact that happens within Djibouti. Um, so Hermetti's RSF has done business with the Wagner Group. They think that potentially the Wagner Group could have influence here. Um, you know, as a result of the gold, the pricing, the money, you know, what is the connection? Is this is this nuance and undertones of a potential proxy war between the Russia between Russia and the West? So whenever we think about it, you know, th there's been a lot of money made out of these gold mines, um, and it's believed that actually a security group, one ran by the Wagner Group, is actually guarding one of Hermedi's gold mines. And Muhan, the actual governor of the the general, has actually gone to Russia and meet Putin as well and done deals with Russia. So we have Russia as a potential something, a sphere of influence, call it if you will, within this conflict. And, and really, in my ultimate opinion, I would probably say that that is not the case. I don't think there's one side doing that. I bet more than likely what's happening is you have a situation where all of the outside spheres of influence are potentially looking in at this conflict and trying to determine who is going to win. Right now, there's no way to, to say, you know, and they could potentially be hedge, hedging their bets to determine who they would need to talk to within this conflict. So you have a weird situation of a conflict happening in Sudan. Then you have you have the, the, the external forces that are potentially going to influence the outcome of what happens. And there's really probably only three ways this this whole situation is probably going to play out. We have the first uh, school of thought would probably be a swift military victory. You know, are we going to see a situation where one of these sides actually is more uh, military strategically sound, where you maybe have the rapid support group coming in with, or is the general going to be able to uh, hinder the the conflict? So you know, you have you know who's going to come out on top. Number one is more than likely a swift military victory between one of these groups. Number two, what we probably have as a result as well is the prolonged conflict theory where both sides potentially have a stalemate and it's a long-term civil war. We, we know that the Sudanese people are no strangers to long-term conflict, so this could probably create a situation where we have a um, prolonged conflict, and the third outcome would potentially be a brokered peace deal between each group, the, determining who is in power, who is the one who's going to dictate it. As a result of that, it would be really complex because then who, what are they going to do with these two parties? So more to come on it. That is my attempt of tr trying to provide the best analysis of this conflict. Once again, there's a lot of moving parts. It's very complex, and there's a lot of people who potentially see the outcome, and I hope it helps you have a better understanding of it. I appreciate you listening, and I'll get back to you tomorrow.